1: Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the IMCEO podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Jeffrey Gabriel of Saw.com. Jeffrey, it's awesome having you on the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Super excited to have you on. And before we jumped in, I wanted to read a little bit more about Jeffrey so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Jeffrey is an expert domain brokerage in building and at building te- sales teams. Jeffrey most recently co-founded Saw.com, an industry-leading boutique broker brokerage that specializes in buying selling and appraising domains previously jeffrey was the vice president of sales at union registry recently purchased by godaddy and one of the industry leading domain marketplaces domain registrars, and monetizing platforms on the net in his seven years with union registry Jeffrey and his team quadrupled sales volume and delivered to the, the highest average sales price of any marketplace in the industry and exponentially increased the number of closed transactions. Jeffrey has contributed to over three contributed over $350 million in completed transactions while in the industry. And in his most notable sales, including the Guinness World Record breaking sale of sex.com for $13 million, and the highest org sale ever, poker.org, for $1 million. Jeffrey, are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Sure am, absolutely, I'm excited to do it. Yeah, definitely excited to have you on and you're doing some phenomenal things and super excited to hear uh, a little bit more on how you got started. So could you take us through what I like to call your CEO story and we'll let you get started with all the awesome things you're working on. Oh boy, so
2: when I first graduated uh, from college, I, was supposed, I applied, got into law school. And I actually got into, in the meantime, in the summertime, I started selling loans. And this was back in 2002, uh, time when the refinance first refinance boom was going on. And by the time the fall rolled around, I was doing very well selling loans, and I decided I didn't want to go to law school anymore. And that was, you know, something that was very disappointing to my family. And I stuck with it, and I did that for a number of years. I left uh, that after about five or six years. And one of the things that was one of the things that I learned about sales in general was, was when I sold loans was that you need to understand your product forwards, sideways, backwards, in every direction possible. And then whomever your suppliers are or those that are supporting you in some way, it's very important to understand their job to the best of your ability as well. And it's frustrating to me now to go out and say, go to a a store to purchase a cell phone and the, and the salesperson there knows nothing about the products that they're selling and they're not even taking the time and really surrounding yourself with the resources that are around is what I first learned in, in loans. And what I actually did was I used to, there were loans that weren't approved and they used to put them in a pile. This is before a lot of privacy laws came into place. Now they got to lock them up or shred them, but they used to kind of put them in a pile and they put them out in storage because they had to save them for a certain amount of time and things weren't quite digital yet. And I used to open them up and glance at the applications and I'd say to myself, well, this person could get a loan. The, the salesperson didn't realize that and they put it in the trash pile. So I started taking those loans back to my desk and calling those people. And they used to call me like the trash man or whatever. <laughs> and then people got smart and they started asking me before they threw them in the piles. But like, you know, say, "All right, do you want to split this? Do you want to work on this together? And that helped me. And then I left there and I, I thought to myself, I always wanted to start my own business and do my own thing. So I was kind of at a crossroads where I either wanted to start my own business selling loans or try something else. And I decided to sell like an HR staffing software or actually more of like access to a site. And that was a company called JobFox. So it was like Monster. So, you know, you put your resume into Monster, it's free, but the companies that are searching your resume have to pay a monthly or a yearly fee to use it. JobFox is the exact same way. Um, There was about 200 salespeople that work there from varying levels of sales experience and salesmanship. And over the time I was there, I was able to get in the top five of the 200 salespeople. And and what I realized was, is that again, is, is learning the business, understanding what the problems are that the people that you're trying to sell to have and being a human being and not a robot. And just really just talking to them honestly about their issues, their problems, and then going to meet them face to face because I was in the New England region, eating them donuts or a case of beer or whatever it is, just to make you more human, more approachable. And then you can really start to extract the, object, the true objections or the issues that they're having and trying to find a solution to find your way in there. You know,
1: I guess take us through a little bit more about saw.com so we can figure out what we can find there and, and what you feel kind of is like your secret sauce for either yourself or the company and makes it unique.
2: Absolutely. So I think one of the things that makes us totally unique as a business is that the experience that we have. Myself, I've been in the domain business for 10 years. You read off you know, all these accomplishments that I've made. Well, I'm just one of three other people that sell that I consider equals in, in skill and ability, if not better than myself. I already mentioned Amanda. I have another person that I've worked with for close to 10 years. has been eight years. is uh, Brooke Hernandez. She's been in the domain business for all that time. She sold tens of millions of dollars worth of Domains. And then I work with another gentleman, Robert Wilson. He has sold tens of millions of dollars worth of domains. And, and us coming together, it's a wealth of knowledge. I think the average amount of experience is immense. And I think when clients come, you know, some of our competitors are more of a very quick and transactional style of selling. What well, we would like to focus on are really two well, it's three main parts of our business. The first main part of our business is a lot of times in in your entrepreneurial show where you're targeting entrepreneurs is that we work with many entrepreneurs, startups or companies looking to launch new products or services. So companies will come to us. And this is one of the parts I absolutely love about my job is talking to somebody that is about to launch and they don't know the name of what their business should be and they want particular keywords, like they want the word blink or they want the word, you know, excite or go or something involved in it of some sort of action and then, or a technology involved like message or something like that. And we'll go out there and, and hear what their budget is, what their plans are, who they're targeting. And then we can come back with a list of domains from the suppliers that we work with and come to them with some ideas of prices where we can end up on a pricing scale. And then, even as sometimes we can work with particular sellers who allow the buyer to pay for the domain over a period of time, it could be as much as five years. I mean, it really depends. So that's really exciting. And my the co-founder, Amanda, for example, she actually worked with the founder of JET, which was bought by Walmart. JET was not the original brand or what they really wanted. The domain they wanted was something else, and that seller and her client couldn't come to terms to make it work. So that was actually a number two that they actually ended up liking more than their first. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's an exciting thing to see, especially when you get to see the domains on TV, you know, you get to see them being used, you know, in public or you're someone, one of your friends will call you and say, have you ever heard of jet? I really Mm -hmm. like it on that website. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think I've heard of it. (laughs) So, I mean, there's countless of situations like that. That's more one people can truly understand, but you know, this week we have one selling that's going to be a dog food company. You know, that's a subscription based dog food company that delivers on a weekly basis or a monthly basis food for your dog or whatever, kind of like chewy, but a little more upper class or more of a, you know, the better higher end dog food. So that's an exciting part of the job. Uh, The other part of the the opportunity that we have is we take super premium domains. Like, so right now we're working on ballet.com, cool.com, ai.com and we're taking those to market and we're calling companies and letting them know that those domains are available for sale and talking about why they're valuable what they can do for their business and how they can get them and you know the ways that they can make offers to make it happen and then the, the really the third and other major part of our business and we have about almost 50,000 domain names that are for sale pointed at our website right now, with our for sale landers on them saying that the domains are for sale, um, is we represent domain investors that own large portfolios and we negotiate and represent them in the process. And what we do is, you know, we talk to buyers about their budgets, we help them understand why the domain is priced, what it's priced for, we provide comparative sales, other metrics to help them understand why. And I think that's one of the things that I've realized is a lot of people don't know why domains have such price tags and why they're priced the way they are. And then we can talk about ways that we can make it work for their business because people look at it as this huge expense, you know, when they should really be looking at more like it's an investment. They're investing in their business. They're investing in the marketing of their business. They're investing to make their brand memorable and sticky. And so people come back. And that's an important thing. You know, if you start playing with, you know, base-ballboston.com, that's a crappy domain name. And if you expect people are going to type it in and come back to you and tell their friends about it, no one's going to remember that, especially if you buy airtime on the radio, you know, if you buy um, other advertising spots, people are just going to type in whatever that service is. And now you're competing like you're a brand new business again. And let's all face it, repeat business is the best business you can get. Sorry, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, in essence, those are the three main silos of business that, that we have. We're working on another one as we speak, but I can't really tell you more about it. Maybe for our second interview, I can, I can get into that.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I wanted to switch gears a little bit, and I wanted sure. to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an <sighs> app, a book or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient?
2: Something that makes me, it's actually really basic. And I tell every salesperson this on the planet. I call it my money list. It's probably been in a lot of sales books, but I just kind of found it myself. And every every night it helps me sleep because you write down the things that you need to do the next day. And I list them in a way that's probably going to make the most money or be the most effective for the business the fastest.
1: Absolutely love that. And so now I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO nugget. So this could be a word of wisdom or piece of advice could be around domains and registration and branding, or it might be something you would tell yourself if you were to hop into a time machine.
2: I think it's, a couple of things. I think the the nugget is, and it's going back to the happiness and being happy with your family. I think in my younger years, and then when things are coming my way now, I look at it and say, "Wow! If I was 10 years younger, I would certainly act a lot differently about this than I would now." And one of the things that I'm really I really pay close attention to is I make sure that the people that are in my life and in in working as a CEO, so the people that work with me, Mm -hmm. so it's not just the four other salespeople that work for me, well, the three and the fourth that's joining me uh, this week, and the support staff of the developers and the lead generation people that help us and the writers that help us. But, you know, and then our suppliers and others that work with, you know, I, I, I try to make sure that, I try to understand the, I try to lead through gratitude, I guess is the saying that I wanna say. And that I make them realize that what they're doing is important and it's important to me in a way that is genuine. I don't like ingenuine compliments and I don't give them to people, you know? I give compliments when they're due and when they do a great job and when someone's struggling or having a hard time with it, instead of telling them they suck or that they're not good at something, you know, you offer help and you let them know that you understand the the, you know, the hardship that they're facing and the troubles they're facing.
1: Absolutely. and So now I wanted to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Jeff, what does being a CEO mean to you?
2: And that's a really good question. And actually, I, w- I, w- I was thinking about that because I know you brought up that question before uh, the interview. And I think that being a CEO, and, and when I was also the vice president at, at Uniregistry, is I feel that being in a leadership position that it means responsibility.
1: Jeff, truly appreciate that definition, and I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything okay. additional you can let our readers and listeners know, and of course, how best they can get a hold of you and find out about everything awesome you and your team are doing.
2: I think the best way to get a hold of me is the most easy and memorable ways. You can just email sales at saw.com or you can visit us, go to the website and call our phone number or make an inquiry on any of the services you want. But if you outline what you saw here, uh, that's fine. I'm happy to answer any questions or, you know, or if I'm not available, have one of our salespeople do it too. So, you know, again, sales at saw.com is, is fine with us and uh, we look forward to hearing from you.
1: Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much, Jeff. We will have the links and information in the show notes so that everybody can follow up with you and truly appreciate that. That reminder as well, too, is just making sure that we understand exactly what we're doing when we're starting a business. And if you aren't really passionate about it, all the things behind the scenes that you don't see when you see a business, sometimes I can get up with you if you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So I appreciate you for doing it for the right reason and reminding oh, us yeah. of that as well. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day.